And Space so, is great. Yeah, I know. And and so I've been just running with that. I have a bunch of ideas and stuff. And so I've been here for a year and some change now. I can't wait to hear about the ideas. I've got yeah. a lot of, we, we really should talk because I've got a lot of plans. Yeah. For Casey. And now that we've got this tax credit in Missouri. Uh-huh. It'll, we'll see, I'm meeting with the, the film commissioner, I think this week, um, or, or next, but we'll see, there's basically with this film credit, I don't know if you're following it or not, but can't get anything fucking made here uh-huh. until they have a, t- a tax credit. Now they do, but if it, it, they're saying they might only apply it to above the line costs uh-huh. and not below. And I have a show at Hulu that I sold that's about Kansas City. Yeah. That I've been begging them to film here. And they basically are like, if they get a film credit, like, good luck. But until then, no. Yeah. And now they're like, okay, but only if they apply it to below the line costs, uh-huh. which is like a normal state tax credit. Yeah. But of course, Missouri would be the one place to like fuck it up and do it different. Yeah. Um, but if they do that, we'll never get anything made here uh-huh. on that scale. Independent stuff, of course. But yeah. I have, yeah. I have a lot. Cool. Where where? Because I have been following it a little bit, and last time I checked, that was like in the process of being proposed. Is that like hasn't the tax credit? Yeah, the tax. Oh, credit. it's passed. Oh, it's passed. It's passed, and they're they're like kicking things up, and it's actually really. So my, do you know Jack's Media by chance? No, I wouldn't expect you to. Jack's Media is like. They made um they made like Black Lady Sketch Show. They made Search Party. Uh-huh. They were the first people to make Search Party, um, and they they make a bunch of like really great um comedies, uh-huh. but they're the production company on my show. And the business affairs guy there was like Missouri's tax credit if they apply it below the line as well is like one of the most competitive in the country. Uh-huh. So it's passed now. They have to decide how they're going to apply it. Uh-huh. But if they apply it the right way, Kansas City could be like. The next, like, Pittsburgh, basically, uh-huh. in terms of, like, getting shit filmed, mm-hmm. which is sick for me because yeah. I want to be here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Welcome to the podcast, Prospero's Pit. I'm here with a comedian, writer, actor, Caleb Heron, who has been on a tear recently. Um, I saw you were non- nominated for in 2022 for MTV's uh, <laughs> social breakout. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't see. I saw you got nominated, um, which is a huge deal. But I've been following your stuff um, since Twitter. I was talking about that and your skits and videos, and I remember sharing it with my my family and friends back when. Um, and I don't know when I figured out that you're from Kansas City, but um, yeah, I wanted to say Kansas City's been having a hell of an October uh, recently. T Swift, Beyonce, big, huge, Cardi B, yeah, everybody in the building, and now we got Caleb Heron here, and now I'm here. Yeah, it's almost. I would say it's like neck and neck with Taylor Swift. No, neck and wise. neck. Yeah, no. It, this this podcast might push you over the edge. I think. I don't know if you're feeling this as acutely as I am, but mm-hmm. they, something brutal just happened in Kansas City that's ruined my life. Which is uh, the Chinese restaurant down the street from here. Uh-huh. They closed it. Genghis. Oh, really? Genghis Khan closed. I had no idea. Ruined my life. I love that spot. Really? Yeah, it's horrible. I have a spot for you um, on Broadway that I love. It's this <laughs> the, like coolest grandma like runs this shop. She's always in, and she has my heart. And she, I always go in there. I think it's called Pecking Chinese. Okay. Um, cool, cool spot in between um, 
this uh, uh, Ethiopian restaurant and a Vietnamese restaurant. And the food's good, but she's amazing. I love her. And I just like will stand there while she berates me into my order. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah. That's the best. The type of woman, like, when you tip her, she's like, okay, what else do you want? You want a Coke? And I was like, no, no, that's for you. That's just because I love you. <laughs> yeah, I love that. If you're mean uh, to me, you have to be kind of old uh-huh. and you have to be kind of cute about it. It has to be a little bit with a wink, but I'll really, I'll let, I'll give you some latitude. Yeah. You can be mean to me for sure. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, definitely. Especially if you're going to feed me, like, great food. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. seriously. So, um, I saw that you were on Jurassic World. This is true. One of the, probably the most, uh, one of the greatest sci-fi adaptations movie from book to movie. Um, and now you're a part of the, the great, the great series. Uh, yeah, I am. That really was a, a wild, um, that was a wild kind of thing that came about. Yeah. How did that happen? It, <clears throat> so this guy messaged me on Twitter. This is like yeah. 20... 19 maybe 2019 i'm thinking this guy messages me and his name's colin and he's like hey dude i love your stuff i'd love to meet sometime and i'm a director and i'm you know i make movies or whatever and i was like and i get a lot of messages like this right so i'm like okay but he's like he's like verified or whatever and i'm like okay who is this guy and i look him up and it's colin trevorrow and he uh he makes the jurassic movies Mm -hmm. among other things he made a great film called uh, safety not guaranteed with Mm -hmm. mark duplass um He's a great filmmaker. And I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm never going to be in a Jurassic movie, but we can meet. Mm-hmm. And we met, we had like a, you know, like a 30 minute meeting scheduled or something. We ended up talking for like an hour and a half about like just art and family. And like, mm-hmm. you know, his, like he lives in, in Europe now, but he's from the States and whatever, whatever. We really hit it off. And I was like, that guy's cool. We'll never make anything together. But I like that guy. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm not, I don't Cause I'm, and I'm not being like, like faux humble. I'm like, I'm not going to be in a Jurassic movie. Yeah. <laughs> It's just not really. Um, But then uh, during the pandemic in 2020, um, I got an email from him and he was like, hey, your team's probably going to reach out to you about this. Um, Got a scene for you in Jurassic if you want to come do it. Like no audition, just come over. We'll we'll rewrite the scene together. And it's like an opportunity to be shot on film, which I'm told is dying. Do you want to come do it? And I was like, genuinely, I was like. I have to make a choice because, you know, that, that that part of COVID was like when we were like, oh, it's killing fat people really intensely. <laughs> and I was like, I have to make a very serious choice about is my career worth more than my life? And it was about a 20 second decision. And the answer was yes, absolutely. Uh, so I was like, I will die to be in Jurassic. Actually, I will get COVID <laughs> on a plane to London because you had to go to London to film. Yeah. I was like, I will get COVID and die. Uh-huh. And I went and. Yeah, it was just so cool of him, like to not make me audition and to like just give me a scene. Wow. Yeah. Um. Cause he, you know, any comic would have done that. And, uh-huh. um, I wasn't telling anybody cause I was like, this is going to get cut because uh-huh. I'm not Laura Dern. And it's like all the, this, uh, Jurassic was the first one that had the old cast and the new cast. And I was like, there's no chance my scene gets in. It's like me and, and justice Smith, who's wonderful. But I was like, we're the kind of guys when it's Laura Dern and Chris Pratt that you can like, you can cut a scene, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And it's a long script. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, man, it's going to get cut. And it, I improvised some really good shit that I was like, I was texting Colin after I left London. I was like, dude, put in my improv. Mm-hmm. I was like, if you get a chance, put in my improv. It's so good. Uh-huh. And he's like, no, it was really funny, but we'll see. And then I think, you know, we maybe improvised a two minute scene. Uh-huh. And I think I was in the movie for 23 seconds. Wow. <laughs> it was so small. I barely yeah. got it. And I really feel like, I really feel like if, if Colin wasn't looking out for me so hard and such a buddy, I would have been cut from that movie. Right. I think he did me a real solid. Um, but yeah, f- weird, fucking weird. Yeah. Crazy. 
that's insane that that started out with a Twitter DM. And that yeah. feels like such an L.A. story to then just, like, get coffee. And next thing you know, you're in a Jurassic World m- movie. Yeah, and it was, like, he really – I've never, like, to be 100% honest, I've never been big on the internet stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I started doing the internet stuff as a means to an end. I don't love internet comedy. I don't find it particularly compelling. I find most of it to be, uh, like, really boring and unfunny, mm-hmm. including mine. And I he really was a big fan of my videos. And mm-hmm. I was, like – you shouldn't even be watching those. (laughs) You have like a family and like a big career. You shouldn't be on Twitter watching my fucking this thing. But I, it's yeah, it's, it's nuts how things work out, I guess. Yeah. I would I would give you yourself some more credit though because I really enjoy your your thank you anyone who likes anyone who likes my content <laughs> is is really really smart and I love them and if they want to ever give me a role in a movie <laughs> yeah no I got you I'll keep that in mind um, <laughs> uh, what made you get into comedy oh you know all the classic stuff yeah. mental illness um, for me specifically I was in I was going to Missouri State in mm-hmm. Springfield and I thought I was I, my pretty much my whole life I thought I was going to be a lawyer. That was like my big plan. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go be a lawyer. No one in my family did anything like that. I was like, I'm going to make money. I'm not going to be broke my whole life. That was the plan. And then was at Missouri State, was studying sociopolitical communication, was like preparing for law school, trying to like, I was like doing, I was such a fucking loser. I was like, literally my freshman year, I was like, I need to take practice LSATs. <laughs> I was like, so I just really wanted to, we grew up without like a lot of money. So I was like, I gotta, you know, make this work. And then, yeah, maybe like my sophomore year, I was just so depressed. I was like, this sucks. I don't want to be serious all the time. I've done like every leadership program on campus and I don't know why I keep doing them. And I was like, I'm going to go try improv. I've got like actually nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And went and tried improv and unfortunately loved it. And like it changed my life, which is so embarrassing. And then, yeah, I was like, okay, I'll go. I'm, I was like, I'll give myself five years. I'll move to New York. I thought I was going to move to New York. I ended up moving to Chicago. I was like, I'll move to New York. I'll do comedy for five years. If I'm not making money at it in five years, I'll go to law school. Mm-hmm. That's like the plan. And then if you t- if you have to be miserable, you'll be miserable, but you'll know that you like tried. And I moved to Chicago and, you know, it went well, but that was kind of the, the trajectory. Mm-hmm. Interesting that, so you started in improv, so you started, um, were you aiming for acting before? Because I I watch your stand-up comedy on Comedy Central, and you feel so comfortable up there. It seems like you've been doing stand-up for a long time. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) I I am very comfortable on stage. I think stand-up, you know, might be annoying to say this, but stand-up just came really, really easily to me. There's like It gets hard when you try to get better, Mm -hmm. but I was never really scared of bombing or scared of failing on stage. That always, to me, just felt like part of it. Um, which I think is the biggest thing that a lot of people have to get over. And so I didn't really have that inhibition. So really the hard thing for me was just like forcing myself to write new material and write clever material. Mm-hmm. Cause I will say when I started out, I should have had a little more shame and embarrassment cause my material was so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started stand up, I was doing jokes like, you know, I would get up there and be like, Republicans are bad. <laughs> and then I, I would be shocked when people weren't laughing. Uh-huh. You know, I'd be like, come on, we hate these guys, right? <laughs> come on. You know, I mean, it's like, we all feel this, but it's like, that's not a joke, you know? But I think, um, yeah, I started, I started out in improv and then I, I thought I didn't know about acting. I, all my friends were like acting majors in college mm. and I thought I really missed the boat. I was like, oh fuck, they're like doing plays and Shakespeare and shit. And I'm like just joining the improv team. Most of them been doing improv for years. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I was a little bit behind the eight ball. Um, and then I did a little bit of acting in Chicago, but I really got a break when I was in Chicago before I had, I didn't have any followers or um, agents or anything. Um, I got a, a break. My first one was, 
think I did work in progress, a Showtime show, queer mm-hmm. Showtime show that my, my friend was making in Chicago. And that was just like a small thing where I basically played myself. And then right after that, those same casting directors, um, PR casting in Chicago, two super cool women, they gave me a role on Fargo, mm-hmm. playing like a um, dumb Southern guy who's like, I, don't know, I heard they was leaving town, you know? Yeah. And that was like a really, it was a character. It was real acting. It was, I was opposite like Timothy Oliphant in that scene. And I felt like, I was so, like, I threw up like the day before. Cause I thought I was going to die of yeah. nerves. And then I was like, man, I love acting. So I would say at this point, like I love stand up, I love writing, but like acting is like the thing I'm most thinking of. Like when I think about what I want to do, it's mostly acting. That's awesome. Yeah. When did you make the decision to get out to LA? Well, I was in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and I f- love Chicago. Chicago, like, if anyone is considering doing comedy, mm-hmm. they gotta go to... Sh- you don't gotta, but, you like, Chicago is, like, to me, the best idea. Anyone who ever asks me, I'll do Q&As sometimes at, like, college shows or whatever, mm-hmm. or, like, on Instagram if I'm bored, and people will be like, how do I start comedy? And I'll be like, move to Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's the best scene in the country. Um, but I... Were you involved with Second City at all? A little. Okay. I did, like, a, I did, like, a... I, I refuse. I was kind of... I kind of had a, not a bad attitude, but I had an attitude about some of the institutions in Chicago. Yeah. Like Second City, I really thought like, I just thought how bored, because they string people along for years. Uh-huh. And you go, you put on the suit and tie and you do the tour co. And then next thing you know, you're 32 and you're still waiting on them to give you a main stage just so you can be seen by SNL. Mm-hmm. And my feeling was like, if I want to get seen by SNL, I can do it like in the next year. Yeah. And I don't want to wait for these old people at this theater to tell me I can do it. Yeah. And I did, I did do that. Um, but I, I did a, a fellowship there that was great. There's some really cool directors at Second City and a lot of great comedians that work there. Um, so I wasn't a fan of the process, but I like the people. That's awesome. Did IO. I did IO in mm-hmm. Chicago. Did a couple things at the Annoyance. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I so what was the question? I got lost. Oh, I, I was, I well, I asked you a second question in between, but I was wondering when you decided to move to LA. To LA? Yeah, yeah. classic. I, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I had auditioned for SNL. They mm-hmm. had flown me to New York. I had screen tested. And I didn't get it. And um, at the time, I was, uh, you know, just, I was like, what am I doing? I should have gotten that. Now, I, I'm so grateful I didn't get it. But at the time, I didn't have agents or managers or anything. And I started doing videos, internet videos, because I was like, the, basically, Steve Higgins, who's awesome, he's like the one of the big guys at SNL, he, um, he told me I should be doing internet videos. And I was like, well, during the... Um, audition process for SNL. And I was like, well, I'm not going to need to because you guys are going to hire me. And he was like, oh, ha, ha, you know. And then when they didn't hire me, I was kind of pissed. And so I started doing videos just to be like, okay, well, if you guys want videos, here's your videos. Uh-huh. Then I got managers and um, I had agents in Chicago at that point, but I got bigger agents. Um, and I was kind of like, I think I'm ready to leave Chicago. This is like 2020, early 2020. Okay. And so <laughs> so I got I got managers. I had agents interested, but I hadn't signed with them yet. And I was like, I'm going to quit my day job. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop being being an administrative assistant. I'm going to be a comedian full time. It's time, baby. I'm getting attention. I've got like a bunch of followers online now. And then COVID happened. And yeah. I drove for Uber for about five months. Yes. <laughs> I, I quit my job with benefits. Uh-huh. But I had told myself I was going to move to L.A. that year. And then my lease was up in like May of 2020. Uh-huh. And I was like. I guess I'm still going to go. And so I just moved to LA during the like height of COVID. Wow. Cause I was, like I said, I was going to do it. So yeah. I guess I got to go. Yeah. No, I feel that that's, a, that's what happened to me. I moved uh, straight to LA in the mid, like in the very beginning of COVID as it was, I mean, 
we were fully shut down and it was over. But I mean, it felt like it was over. And especially if you were trying to get into the industry at that time, it was just like, that was like the worst time you could possibly yeah. like attempt to do that. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's funny because I, um, am not from Kansas city. I haven't been born and born and raised in Kansas city, but I feel like I've talked enough LA ears off about Kansas city. Yeah. And it's funny, like seeing like people who are from LA is like their reaction to like, why are we talking about Kansas city right now? <laughs> uh, have you had any like fun encounters? Like what, what, what's it like when you're, you're like, people ask you where you're from? I'm telling everybody about Kansas city. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't born and raised in the city. I was born and raised about an hour and a half North of here, mm-hmm. uh, in s- small towns around like Chillicothe, Brookfield, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always talking about Kansas city. Cause it really is like, it's so cool and people don't realize it. And it's so easy and fun and nice here. Like the people are great. The food is amazing. You know, Prince, uh, one time in an interview with Oprah, Prince was like, Minneapolis, huh? Because, you know, he was Minneapolis was his, Kansas City was his yeah. place. And she was like, Minneapolis, like, oh, you know? Yeah, right. And, she, and he was like, oh, yeah, I'll always live in Minneapolis. And I think she said something about the weather or something. And he said, yeah, the cold keeps all the bad people away. <laughs> and I think that is like Kansas City. The winters in Kansas City are the saving grace that are going to hopefully stop it from being like Austin. Uh-huh. Um, it's just, yeah, I fucking love it here. I think yeah. it's so great. I tell everybody about it. And... <clears throat> I had a conversation with this guy once on a plane. I think I was flying from here to LA to go back to work or something. Mm. And he was like, he was a, produ- a TV producer, did like reality TV or something. But he was like, there used to be a bunch of us. He was like, there used to be a bunch of us who lived in Kansas city, like a couple like agents at the big agencies and producers They lived in Kansas city. And they would fly every, I think Friday night, they would fly from LA to Kansas city, spend the weekend here with their families. Mm-hmm. And then every Monday morning they'd fly in on the early flight to LA work all week and then come back when they were like on a show or something. And then mm-hmm. when they're not on a show, they were just here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, as an entertainment person, it makes perfect sense. Cause I always have to go to New York. I always have to go to LA. And then here and there, you have to go to Chicago and Atlanta and Kansas city is directly in the middle of all of them. And the, the real estate is cheap. So I'm like always making the pitch to my friends. I'm mm-hmm. like, buy a house. Yeah. What's it going to hurt? Buy a house <laughs> in Kansas city. Come yeah. on. Yeah. No, I'm in that exact same boat. I, um, I, that's fascinating. I had no idea that uh, that like little bubble of producers existed. I didn't either. There is there is a, a serious like you know TV and film scene out here, um, where like ASAP Rocky just filmed his music video out here, which is one of the newer things. But we you know I've been on a several commercial sets out here, working as like a PA and things like that. And yeah, it was kind of cool to come from LA and figuring out what was going on and to find like somewhat of a thriving film and commercial uh scene going on here um but yeah i i what have have you been noticing the like rise it feels like almost like a mediocre rise from um kc right now i feel like it's a buzz it's a buzzword right now yeah i'm 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 becoming scared of it Uh (laughs) for for a while i felt like for a couple years i was being like kenzie's awesome you guys by the way if you would have told me when i was like I lived in Kansas City right after high school, before college. I was working for a senator here in in Westport, mm-hmm. and um, again, law school. Yeah. And if you would have told me when I was eighteen that I was at twenty eight, choosing to live in Kansas City with the option to live pretty much anywhere, mm-hmm. I was choosing to live in Kansas City. I would have been like, okay, you yeah, know, right. like, it was cool then, but I just never would have thought. I don't know. You get a little bit older, and you your priorities get a little bit different, mm-hmm. and you think about it. And then you see it change too. And it has changed so much that for years, I feel like I've been on the like, no guys, Kansas City is actually cool. I'm trying to convince people. And now there's a lot happening where I'm like, 
oh wait, no, it sucks. It sucks. Don't come. Don't yeah, come. Yeah. Because I'm legitimately worried about. Um, I'm very involved with Casey Tenants, and I'm so grateful for the work that they're uh, doing around keeping people housed and not pushed out. But even beyond just like keeping people in their homes and not gentrifying neighborhoods, the like out of state investors buying up the West Bottoms and yeah. buying up like cool places in Kansas City. I know they're going to turn it into a Warby Parker slash Jenny's ice cream. Yeah. And I love glasses and ice cream, but I do not want Kansas city to be ruined by that kind of rampant commercialism mm -hmm. with like those ugly square apartment buildings on top and a yes. capital one cafe on bottom. Yeah. It's coming. Mm -hmm. And if Kansas city continues to get as cool as it has been getting, it will happen in certain mm -hmm. places. I'm just like, how can we mitigate and keep as much of it out as possible? Right. That worries me. Yeah. And it, I, I would almost argue it's already here. I mean, the, the, those, those apartments along the river, along Berkeley riverfront are hideous. Yeah. They're just disgusting to look at. There's uh, a chase bank on Troost. Yeah. That's insane. There's a chase bank on Troost. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe it. Yeah. And the, uh, so that's so cool. I had no idea that you were so involved with Casey Tenants. Like, I would love to talk more about that. We um, have like, to. Yeah, what's your, what's your involvement look like? Oh, God. I mean, when I say I'm involved, I mean, uh -huh. I keep up and share their stuff. I'm yeah. nowhere near the, the – I don't. I hope when I say that it sounds like I'm just a fan because yeah. I, I don't mean to make it sound like I'm doing the kind of work that they're doing. I try to raise money for them. I do a benefit show for them uh, once a year. We've done it – this is our second annual, annual one coming up in November. Oh, awesome. Um, and I want to do it every year. Uh, Tara, who runs Casey Tenants and created it, is um, a friend of mine. She's a genius. She's a really, really badass activist, and she would hate this um, if she watches this. She'll hate this. But, um, but yeah, I, I share their stuff. I keep up. I, I donate money when I can. I, I really just think that like trying to f I've my activism has moved from when I was younger, when I was in my teens and like early twenties, it was all about candidates. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if we can elect Bernie, you know, that, that will change everything. Yeah. And there's a partial truth to that. But then watching what happened with Bernie and so many other great candidates, I've really moved to a place now where I'm like, okay, fuck the parties, fuck the candidates. Mm -hmm. I'm moving to causes. Like mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm going straight in for causes and tenant organizing to me is like the crux of leftism and how we can like win on the issues because if you listen to any of the Casey Tennant stories or watch what they're doing, they're organizing like straight up like rural white conservatives yeah, and like inner city, like, you know, young queer people, people of color that you wouldn't expect these two things to come together. Yeah. But if you've got a Trump flag in your yard, you got a Black Lives Matter sign in your yard, eventually gentrification comes for all of us. Yeah. And so it's like that kind of unity. I haven't seen it anywhere else in political organizing. Mm. And Casey Tennant is doing it in a way that like, other places in the country are doing it, but I just haven't seen the like level of success and ferocity and like power that KC Tenants is wielding. I'm very inspired and impressed by them, and I honestly I should do more. I want to do more. Mm -hmm. I should really have one of them on the show. I've been yes. following along so similar to you, just like from afar, sharing their stuff when I can. And um, yeah, I'm talking about that Chase Bank on Truce. There's a couple businesses that I've found on Truce that are actively working to um, keep, to, well, better the community, but also to keep it local and keep it, um, one of them is Equal Minded Cafe. Uh, Dontavious Young, who's been on this podcast, um, just started a uh, nonprofit and that works on like empowering uh, youth and entrepreneurship in the community. And then, um, of course, Ruby Jeans with Chris mm -hmm. Good over there and, um, you know, empowering just people's i mean gut health and just their overall well-being it's interesting to see that kind of cause coming from local businesses 
um i don't know it, it it's like I, yeah it, it's you, you were talking about like leadership and politics um and then you look at the ones that are really on the street that are really there every single day um and like people like that i find the ones that i find like really encouraging to see um it feels like there's some sort of activism tied to local business and how we like can balance that and see what that looks like. I definitely want to explore more on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But that was, that was awesome. I'm so glad we got to talk about that. That's so cool that you're involved. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to find get Casey tenants on it on here. I'm involved as a fan. Yeah. I mean, that really is what it comes down to. I, I am such a fan of theirs and I think like the work that they're doing in Kansas city is the most crucial work in the city. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a bit of, um, I don't think I've ever talked about this like publicly, but I talk about it in private a lot. Um, I have a bit of beef with like some of the KC celebs, like mm. some of the Kansas city, like celebs and I don't need to name them. Uh, -huh. uh some of them are my friends, uh -huh. but there's, there's, um, there's a type of like repping your city that has become part of, you know, celebrities are brands and like there's a, a type of repping your city, whether it's Casey or otherwise, this is a, a, a thing that happens everywhere, but it's just like about wearing, like you, you, you walk out in LA, you know, you're going to get photographed at the coffee shop. So you wear like a t-shirt of the sports team from your hometown. Yeah. And that's great. But there is a, the lack of true activism and a lack of, a lack of true being tapped into the city and telling the, the actual truth about what's going on in the city. Um, that happens sometimes with these people who get hoisted up as like, you know, whoever the guy is in Cleveland. Like, I'm sure there are famous people from Cleveland that everyone goes, oh my God, he's from here. Mm. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, I wish, I hope that as Kin City continues to change, people who are from here that have any kind of influence, my influence is very small. Mm -hmm. People who have big influence especially will like tap in and actually pay attention to what's going on here and not just like you know, throw out a, a pitch at the Royals game, right. which is also cool, but it's like Kansas city's 30% black mm -hmm. and the displacement of people through like greedy capitalistic, like commercial real estate enterprise is going to primarily affect that 30% of the city Yeah, or, or the Hispanic folks on like the Kansas side. Like, I don't know. There's a lack of talking about these things in depth from people who claim to love the city that I go, oh, it's just a little annoying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But Casey tennis is great. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to take a hard left real quick uh, to get back on, uh, onto be your funny, career. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Do a video for us. Be funny. Don't be, this is annoying. <laughs> make me laugh. Uh, you're just making me sad now. No, no, no. Um, um, uh, no, I want to talk more about your career. Uh, so you are also a writer for um, how, uh, uh, um, uncl or the, the, spinoff of big mouth yeah human um, resources re human resources thank you um, um and i mean we just got out of it but there was a massive writer strike how was that like i'm sh how how were you involved in that were you involved in that what was that like you know navigating your career as well as the writer strike and all that going on yeah, uh, the writer's strike, I was in a writer's room when we started striking, so uh -huh. I was at my job when we found out we were striking, and then I left my job that day and didn't go back. Yeah. Um, and then we were going to restart it after the strike, but the show got canceled, and uh -huh. so unfortunately, um, I won't go back to that job. Mm -hmm. The strike was, you know, it's, you know, you said it was a hard left turn, but mm -hmm. funnily enough, it's like all, it's all in the same vein of stuff. The strike yeah. was about greedy-ass billionaires telling working-class right. people what is possible. And what's realistic, which is always my favorite. I love when the mega rich tell us what's realistic, as if they've spent a day in reality. Yeah. But that's what it was about. And and I was really, really proud of the union for going on the strike. And I was really proud of, like, 
all of our leaders on the negotiating committee and people like Adam Conover, who's a very funny comedian, but also I think a brilliant political mind. Um, yeah, we got a lot of gains that we wouldn't have got if we didn't strike. It's horrible that we had to do it. Um, strikes are brutal. Yeah. And like support staff and people who I'm lucky cause I have, I went on tour and like, yeah. I've got other things to do. Thank God. Yeah. But not everyone has that. And it was really, really tough, but we're out of it now. Yeah. Um, I hope that like, we'll, we'll continue to like strike when we need to and get the protections we need. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty tough industry entertainment in general. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the strike was like, I was really, really proud of it. And I'm super pro, like I'm always going to tell the truth and I'm always going to say what I actually feel. And if that means I can't work with somebody, then fuck them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I was super vocal about the fact that I think the, I think the studios and the networks are fucking greedy. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of creative execs there who I like. There's a lot of people who, uh, you know, make creative decisions there that are agree with us. And they're also being squeezed by these guys. Yeah. But the guys at the very top, the CEOs, the big dudes, those guys, they just suck. You yeah, know, they just right. suck. They ruin <laughs> yeah. everything. They take the fun out of everything. Uh-huh. We're, we could be doing so much cool shit. Uh-huh. There's like no reason that anyone needs to be struggling at this point in, in humanity. Yeah. But these fucking losers. For real, they're just fucking losers. Yeah, but that, I mean, yeah, that's what the strike was about. was yeah. a bunch of people who, you know, barely make enough money in a year to get their health insurance coverage. If they do, a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. Being like, hey, could we please not be replaced by AI? And the bosses being like, oh, get real, kid. Yeah, that's come on fuck. now. Come on. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm glad we did it. And now that it's over, I, I hope everyone can get back to work. Yeah. Um, you were talking about it before, but you said you were kind of, you've been pushing to make this TV show that takes place in Kansas city and all of that. Um, do you think like, tell me more about that idea. I love that. That makes me so excited. I've had, I've uh, plenty of ideas about a TV show in Kansas city or some sort of story that takes place solely in Kansas city. So I'd love to hear about that. You know, we'll see how it develops and changes when you develop with um, a network and things that sometimes it turns out to be a little different than what you thought it was originally mm-hmm. for the better or for the worse. Like, you know, you never know. Um, but I really like the the direction it's going. My friend Holmes and I, who's also a comedian who also lives in Kansas City, um, we met in Chicago um, and we started writing this show about our kind of about our friendship. Um, I would describe it as like an intergenerational, like queer roommate comedy. Mm-hmm. It's us. We live with like some older lesbians. Um, and yeah, the show's just about like what it looks like to live, try and live an interesting life in, in the middle of the country. Yeah. And I think it, it plays a lot on a feeling that Holmes and I both had growing up, which they spent a lot of time in Omaha as a kid and a teenager. And I was in Missouri exclusively. Um, but there's this feeling, I think when you grow up somewhere that isn't cool, somewhere mm-hmm. that isn't like New York or Chicago or LA that you go, I got to get out of here. If I want my life to mean something, I got to get out of here. I can't wait to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not true. But then you get out of here and you go to these other places and you go, oh, fuck, I'm still gay or I'm still fat or mm-hmm. I'm still depressed or I, you know, I actually don't even like it here. I, it, or you go and you have a great time, but you realize also there's so many wonderful things about home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's different for different people. Like, obviously, if you're like a trans woman of color, that's a different story. But our characters are kind of taking a look at this question of like, can you lead an interesting, artistic, gay, young life in mm-hmm. between the coasts? Yeah. Our answer is yes. Yep. But you know, it's a question when you're a teenager, you don't have enough data. Mm-hmm. So you're going, man, I just got, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And partially I think that's true. Yeah. But, um, 
partially, I think it's also not. Yeah. And I think that's a good, I mean, I, I think that's a great story because of how complex it is and how there is like a yes, no middle ground sort of blurry thing. And that's what makes great, great stories. Um, I do think it's interesting that like on one side, like I am active believer that it's not true that like you have to leave your home to find yourself. You have to like you completely abandon your roots before you can like make something new. Um, but at the same time, I find myself like looking around, especially in the suburbs of Missouri and the suburbs of Kansas, the environment makes it very actively hard to like get out, like to, to, to really like be creative and also be unique as an individual. Like I was just talking about how, you know, we light up parking lots way brighter than we do the roads itself on like moving around. There's so much like empty space. There's so much like vast parking lots, gas stations. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, that's sort of some like a concept that I've been like juggling back and forth of like this like very concrete reality that people like live in out here, especially the young, young folk who like you know, they're trying to figure it out. They don't know what's all out there. Um, but then to like live in, in this very bleak, like flat concrete reality, it feels like, um, hard, you know, to get out sometimes and hard to find yourself in that and, and be unique. But then you have people here in Kansas city who are so bright and so vibrant and so like artistic and cool and stuff. And it just like lights up these like spaces. I could almost I could almost be moved to tears anytime I see like a weird teenager yes. at like a Walmart in, in Missouri. Like if I'm, you know, back at, at home with my family or something and mm. I'm out in like the middle of nowhere and I see, you know, some fucking emo teenager wearing like animal ears and like yes. a big tool skirt, you know? Because uh-huh. I I I was like listening to Paramore secretly. Yes. You know, I mean, I was being like, you know, I I think I wanted to be different and expressive and weird, but I I was too cowardly. And I also was in the closet and I was like, I can't be giving any clues, you know? Yeah. And I think, yeah, the the audacity to be like truly an individual in particularly like suburban or rural settings in Missouri and Kansas is like, I'm so impressed by it, especially like young, like 13 year olds. Yes. I go, dude, you're so brave and yeah. cool. And like, I hope you keep whatever that is. But I, yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah. If I was in the city, if I was in Kansas city, if I was uh-huh. in Westport, maybe. Yeah. But like, yeah, out where I was, like I definitely was not pushing. I was like pushing buttons by even being like, I think we should maybe have gun control yeah. when I was like a 17 year old. You uh-huh. know what I mean? And people were like, Oh, 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 oh you know, <laughs> like I was banana kiss. You know yeah. what I mean? I cannot imagine being like a truly individualistic, like weirdo. Yeah. Which is so cool. But those people, like those kids, those 13 year olds out like in Lee Summit or wherever with the listen to emo and they're all their like neon clothing and whatever that's going on are some of the cool, like they're some of the biggest rebels in the country. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, in LA, at least my experience in LA, it's like a lot of people are dressed up like, like these kids or like these rebels or these like cool punk like the cool kids you know it's out in LA everyone's trying to one up each other with um the coolness and stuff but it's actually these kids out here that are like walking around a quick trip parking lot listening to Paramore or whatever it is they're listening to that are like the real I feel like the real deal those are the kids that it's like oh fuck get out of their way <laughs> yeah they're cool as fuck yeah I really think like the 
I think it, I think being punk in LA and New York is over. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think there there are so many cool. I love LA. I'm always gonna live in LA part of the year. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always gonna be in LA sometimes. I'm yeah. always gonna be in New York sometimes. I love those places. I just think we've really, really heard it. We've heard about it. We've heard about being young and a little bit lost in New York and LA. Like we've heard that story millions and millions and millions of times at this point. I think the true punk thing now is to go somewhere else and make your own way. And I think, you know, even Chicago to an extent is losing a bit of that, but I think Chicago still has it. I think, and also like, I'm, I'm just interested in the artists in, I'm interested in artists in Kentucky making, doing like leftist poetry for nobody. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in like ceramics artists in like fucking rural Wyoming. Like I'm interested in, in, in videographers in Kansas city. I'm interested in like, to me, the most interesting art is coming from people who are not in who are not going to NYU to study film. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I love a lot of people who studied film at NYU. They're mm-hmm. like my buddies, you know? Yeah. But now to me, what I'm interested in is in addition to all those stories we're certainly gonna hear. We're gonna hear from the kids who went to NYU. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. It's yep. gonna be a, it's gonna be stories we get. Uh-huh. Same with UCLA, USC, Northwestern, all the all that kind of pedigree like the people who move to LA and do pretty good at an improv theater, we're going to hear from them. Mm-hmm. You know, I am now interested in hearing from people that we would not normally hear from. Mm-hmm. I think that's the fascinating kind of punk rock thing mm-hmm. now to me. Yeah. And that's not even me. I'm like, I live in LA. I write for TV shows. Like right. I'm kind of in, in the, in the super cool alt doing it just cause you want to do it to like corporate kind of sellout spectrum. I'm further on this end, you uh-huh. know, but I just think that, What's going on over there is more interesting. Yeah. You know? Well, so what would you recommend to some young kids who are out here or young creatives who feel like they want to be storytellers in whatever medium it is? Like, what do you, what would you recommend that they do? Like, you know, some uh, advice from Caleb Barron. Tell the truth. Mm. Like, tell the truth. I think that's the, the thing I come back to all the time is like, tell the truth to yourself about what you really want. Cause I had to have a reckoning with myself of like when I was in Chicago being like, you know, I would sit around with my artist friends and be like, I just want to make cool stuff with my friends, which is partially true. But the other truth is that I grew up poor and I never want to be poor again. Mm -hmm. And so I need to make money like period. I can't be a starving artist for my whole life. That's not going to be my journey. I need to make enough money that my bills are paid and the people around me's bills are paid. That's just how it is for me. That's part of my truth. Right. And that's not a super cool thing to say, Mm -hmm. but that's how I feel. So you have to tell the truth with yourself and you also have to tell the truth with your material. And I think also you have to be prepared to tell the truth to people you work with. Like you're going to work, if you work in the arts, you're going to work with like some shady characters, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think not telling the truth is how we got so many, like, well, it's for sure how so many of these, uh, billionaires continue to do their bullshit is they get to like politely go to like dinner parties, even though they're like trying to rob workers of healthcare. But then also, it's the way that you get like fucking comics who are bringing like 15 year old girls to the green room and shit. It's like telling the truth is not only an artistic endeavor. It's also a moral endeavor uh, and vice versa. And I think the thing that I come back to the most when I'm trying to write or create or make a huge business decision about do I say yes to this thing or do I say no to this thing? You will have these kind of moral dilemmas in a career. Mine has been short and I've had several of them. And the thing I come back to is like, you have to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. That to me feels like the ultimate thing. And, you know, somebody else would say something different. And maybe in a month I would say something different. But the thing I've been thinking the most about lately, I think, is is, is telling the truth. Mm. Wow. That's 
yeah, I don't I don't have much to say about that. I think that's... that's... You're like, fuck that, lie. <laughs> yeah, lie, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Cash those checks. Tell those lies, baby. <laughs> lie all the way to the bank. <laughs> no, but that's amazing. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, what's going on? What where what can people find you doing? Where, what, where can people tune in? Um, when's this come out? I have no idea. Who's to say? <laughs> Who's to say? Probably in the uh, probably closer to the new year. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I don't know what I'll be doing um, at that point, but I think I'll be traveling. So yeah. if you if you see me in the world, come say hi. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, always uh, always online at Caleb Says Things, mostly mm-hmm. Insta these days. You can follow my TikTok if you want to. I'm not posting. You can follow my, my Twitter if you want to. I'm not posting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm committed to at least updating people on Insta. Um, yeah, and come see a show. Like, you know, hang out. I'll do shows in Kansas City every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you see that I'm on tour, please come out. And yeah, if you're if you're in Kansas City and you see me out and about, please say hey. Yeah. That's all. Cool, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really yeah. appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. Yeah.